We are on a journey through the Gospel of Mark. We are now in Mark chapter 7, Mark 7, and we're going to divide this reading into two parts. I've already spent too much time explaining to you the lawsuit, um, so this is going to cut into my time. And i got to go to Fall River today, so let's see what we can do here. Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. We're going to read from verses 1 through 8, but read, keep your Bibles open. Because there's a second part to this reading, and I'm purposely not having slides because I want us to engage a little bit more in the messages and take our notes because I believe that the things God wants to speak to you, you got to go home and download it and, and wrestle with it. But here's what the Bible says, Mark 7 verse 1 says, one day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. Now, we saw this in chapter 3. They had arrived to check on Jesus' ministry to see, okay, is this guy for real? Now, they're back. They're back. Guess who's back? Back again. Tell a friend. The haters are back. They're back to see Jesus. Verse 2, they noticed, they noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating, the Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cup hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Verse 5, so the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked them, why don't your disciples follow our old age tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied. This is one of those moments where savage Jesus comes out. <laughs> Jesus replied, he says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right. When he prophesied about you, for he wrote, Jesus is quoting the book of Isaiah. He said, here's what Isaiah said about you long ago. The, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Fake. Fugazi. For they teach man-made ideas as, God, as commands from God. Here, Jesus goes a little deeper. He says, for you ignore God's law. And substitute your own tradition. Come on now. Jesus is not playing around this time around. My friends, I want to title this talk, Inside Out. Inside Out. What do you do when you have an important meeting? What do you do when you know you're about to meet with someone important. I guarantee you what you do is you clean up. You take a shower. You shave. You, you put on your best because you know this is an important meeting. If you, if you have a job interview, you, you clean up because you want the job, unless you don't want the job, right? You, 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 you present yourself. Or if you have a date, you put it on your best, right? So much so that you may not even show you the real you because you're like, I got to, I got to, you know, I got to, you know. <laughs> if you're meeting 
with the President of the United States, you best believe you're buying a suit. Because you know that's an important person that you're meeting with. If you get a call from the city that the mayor wants to meet with you, you best believe that you're going to put on your best and you shave and you'll ask your wife, what do you think? Is this okay? Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. Is this, are we good? Right? Because certain meetings are important. You clean up and you put on your best. And I bring this up because you have to understand that the puberty laws of Jesus' day and before Jesus had the right heart, the right intention. Is that you're, you're, you're going to meet with the God of the universe. And if you're going to go meet with the God of the universe, you better clean up. You better bring your Sunday best, right? You, you, you better come clean because this is a holy, righteous God that you're getting ready to meet with. And so the purity laws was the idea that, man, we're about to enter into a holy meeting. And I need to be clean before this holy God. Are you tracking with me so far? Actually, let me read to you a little bit more about the purity laws to get a better understanding because we're going somewhere here and how it affects us today. According to the, the, to the cleanliness laws, if you touched a dead animal or a human being, if you had an infectious skin disease like boils or rashes or sores, if you came in contact with mildew on your clothes, articles in your home or your house itself, if you had any kind of bodily discharge, if you ate meat from an animal designated as unclean, you were considered ritually impure, defiled, stained, unclean. That meant you couldn't enter the temple, therefore you couldn't worship God with the community. That's how serious they took the purity laws. That listen, this is a holy, righteous God. Nothing that is unclean can enter his presence. And so you understand why here they are saying, Jesus, how come your disciples are not abiding by the purity laws, knowing how important this is, knowing how God demands us to be clean. And what's interesting is, it's not that Jesus disagrees with them. Jesus actually agrees that we are unclean. Jesus actually agrees that, yes, there is a holy God that we need to have reverence for and we need to be clean before him. What Jesus disagrees with is the source of the uncleanliness. And what Jesus disagrees with is how to get clean. That was Jesus' beef with the religious leaders of his day. Is that the problem is, he was saying, please catch this, he was saying, yeah, the problem is, those rituals are not deep enough. There's, there's skin surface, there's skin deep. It doesn't go deep enough to the place where you are truly unclean. That's why he says, you guys are play acting. You know what hypocrisy means? Play acting. You're, you're putting on a front, right? You're, you're playing a role. That's what hypocrisy means. He's saying, you know really well that those rituals is not even what God requires. You created those rituals. So in other words, you know really well that what you're asking people to do may be the right thing, but it's the wrong approach. 
Because it doesn't get to the bottom line of where we are truly unclean. You're wearing a mask to keep up an image, but if we're really serious, if we're really honest, you are unclean. You're putting on your Sunday best, but if we dig a little deeper, there's a lot of uncleanness going on. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus goes a little deeper. He says, listen, what you're doing is you're, you're like a washed-up tomb. Like on your side, you look really good, but if we dig deeper. See, this is why we have to constantly entangle Jesus from religion. And, and that really is the theme of our, of our church, to be honest with you, is that a lot of people are doing a lot of ritualistic things, but it's not hitting home. That's the struggle with religion. If you ever wonder, why do we always say untangle Jesus from religion? What's the difference? The difference is religion doesn't go deep enough. It doesn't touch the part of us that's truly unclean. Religion is surface. Jesus wants to go deeper and actually changes from within. And worse, what religion does, what, he, what these guys did was that they excluded a lot of people from getting to God because these people were not doing outward expressions of religion as opposed to having a heart transformation. One of the saddest things about religion, my friends, is that it's keeping a lot of people away from God in the name of traditions. A lot of people are away from church because some religious people have told them, you don't belong. You're not clean enough. You're not right enough. You're not holy enough. You're not this. You're not that. And we put all of these emphasis on all the outward stuff. In the meantime, the greatest danger of religion is that we're doing all of that, but truly those people are empty on the inside. That's why he says you play acting. You're playing a role. That's what hypocrisy is. Once in a while you hear someone says, I don't go to church, it's full of hypocrites. You know what our response should be? There's always room for one more. <laughs> as far as I know, this thing called the church is the only institution on the face of the planet who says, hey, in order to qualify, you don't qualify. It is the only thing that I know. When you go to a job interview, like I said, you put on your best and you have to have a resume to qualify. Here, when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ, he says, your resume is you don't qualify. That's what makes you qualified to be able to receive what God has for you. My friends, what they're doing here is the pillars of what we call legalism. is living by the legalities of the law as opposed to living by the grace of God. There's nothing wrong with the law. Jesus said there is absolutely nothing wrong with the law. But he's saying is someone greater than the law is here to fulfill it, not to add to it. Nothing wrong with the legality of the law. The law points you to the reality that you are unclean. But he can't clean you or cleanse you. Is that English? <laughs> I'm African. Once in a while I get my verbs twisted up. But I get, you get my gist. <laughs> Listen, when you take a command or an opinion of man and teach it as doctrine from God, that's legalism. When you add to the laws of the Lord as opposed to leading people to grace, you're adding to legalism. 
not to the grace of God. Because law only tells you that you fall short, but it can't pick you up. The whole purpose of the law is to tell you, look, you don't measure up. You never will. You need someone greater that can come alongside of you. Are you tracking with me? Here's the thing. It's only skin deep. It doesn't get to the heart. Because, because how many times have we been shocked? I hate saying this, but how many times have we been shocked by people who outwardly looked very religious? And then we got hit with a bombshell. Oh, my God. There was skeletons in the closet. How many times have we been hit with this reality? These people are telling you, do all of these things, and then we find out, wait, you're having an affair? Do all of this. Wait, you're stealing the money? You're addicted to porn? Why? Because the rituals doesn't go deep enough to transform the heart. And sooner or later, something gives. The more we put up a front, the more we have to hide what's in the closet. Y'all ain't ready. So concerned with the outward that we forget that the outward is not the heart. I could wear a suit up here and sound really theologically sound, but what's in my closet? What's in my closet? That's what Jesus was saying. You play acting. I know what's in your closet. Only Jesus can say that because he knows what's in our closet. I can't be going around saying, what's in your closet? But I can help us take a deeper loop and say, hey, are we really looking at the closet? Listen, here's the reality. Jesus goes on. We're going to read the second part here. Verse 14. We're going to jump to verse 14 because Jesus explains this, this thing that we're trying to get to. Verse 14. He says, then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear. Right? He says, listen, all of you listen, he said. Try to understand. Remember, spiritual things need discernment. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Jesus was very blunt here. He was just like, listen, whatever comes in goes out. That doesn't mean, though, you shouldn't try to eat healthy. <laughs> because everything was kosher in this time. Let's just make that clear. He wasn't talking about American food. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, my McDonald's is anointed. Jesus said so. <laughs> no, we're talking about kosher food. <laughs> All right, let's just make that clear. I don't want go, people go home like, I got liberated today. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, you can eat whatever you want, but you will suffer consequences <laughs> of what you eat. It, just, it won't affect your heart, but it will affect your heart. Trust me, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> I love me some wings. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Help me, Jesus. Where are we? <laughs> Where are we? What, what verse are we in? Oh, yeah, yeah, 15. Right? It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into the house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either? Jesus is always like, y'all be rolling with me. 
you always seem to be clueless. And that gives me a lot of encouragement. Oh, they didn't get it either? <laughs> if you have a hard time understanding the Bible, the disciples understand Jesus. So be encouraged. Okay. He asked, can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. Jesus is like, I got to really like spread it out for you. <laughs> By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes, which is another whole deeper theological thing there. That I don't have time. I got to go to Fall River. <laughs> Verse 20, and then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, death, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. That's why... The purity cleansing doesn't go deep enough because it doesn't get to the heart. It doesn't get to the core of us. When he says heart, you have to understand in the Bible, heart, soul, spirit, it's all saying the real you, the core of you. Because it's not the physical heart. The physical heart will be affected by junk food. But the real you, the core of you is what's affected See, my friends, in our natural state, Jesus makes it clear, we're all unfit for the presence of God. We're all unclean. Every single one of us. And I know that statement, a lot of people have a problem with that statement because we think it's an old school statement. It's an old school mindset. We think that, that, that people say, oh, this is the problem with, with religion. It leads to people feeling shame and guilt because they tell you, that you're not good enough, that you're, that you're not, um, you know, holy enough and all this stuff. But the truth is, the reason why we struggle with that claim is that we've drifted away so much from God that we no longer believe in absolutes. What do I mean by that? We don't believe that there's right and wrong anymore. We believe that I can create my own truth. I believe, you know, everybody says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person because, and I, we have our justifications for why we think we're good. But the problem is Jesus said, truth is not a theory. Truth is a person. He says, I'm the truth. So anything that doesn't look like me is not the truth. Which means all of us are fugazi. All of us are unclean. Because he's saying, when you get next to me, see, Jesus doesn't compare us to each other. He compares us to God the Father, which is holy and, and righteous. He's always saying, that, listen, in the sight of God, all of you are unclean. And by the way, you don't have a truth. You have experiences. It doesn't make them truth. Because truth is universal. If it's not truth all around for other people, then it's not true. It's just your experience. So we don't see people as unclean anymore. We think human nature is basically good. We don't believe that there's a holy God and that we are guilty and condemned in his sight. That's the problem. That's the struggle. But here's the reality. If we can be honest, anyone, I don't care who you talk to, atheists, Muslims, Buddhists, agnostics, I don't care who you talk to, the struggle is this. 
all of us are still wrestling with the reality that deep down we feel shame and guilt. Deep down, we're still, we're, we're, we're trying to stiff arm all this truth, but deep down, we're still struggling with ourselves. We live in a world where we don't believe in judgment. We don't believe in sin. Yet, we still feel that there's something wrong with us. That's a universal longing. I'll take that to the bank. I don't care who you talk to. I don't care how much money they have or how much money they don't have. I don't care what, what, what their popularity standard is. Everybody feels like something is wrong. I'm trying to fix myself. And what, the words that we use in the world is, I'm trying to better myself. All of us. I don't care who you are. I've talked to millionaires who feel that there's something wrong with them. And I've talked to homeless people who feel that there's something wrong with them. It's a universal longing to be put together, to be fit. We hide, here's the thing though, because, because we're creatures of sin and, and we, what we do is we hide our true self. And what we try to do is we try to control what we allow people to know about us. Can we be honest for a second in this church? We, we, we go so far because we know I don't want to let you know what's really, what's really in the closet. One of the reasons why AA meetings are so powerful, because in order to be set free, the first thing you have to say is you have to admit you have a problem. As long as we're saying I don't have a problem, the deeper the problem. Because when you don't acknowledge that you have a problem, you're giving that problem power over you. The truth is, we feel the need to prove ourselves. That's why some people work so hard, because they're trying to prove themselves. Some people work 80, 90 hours a week because they think, if I make this much money, I'm going to be worth it. We don't say that directly, but indirectly, that's what we're saying. That's why some people have to go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. Why? Because they're trying to find their worth. That's why people want to have this many followers on Instagram because when every time you like a post, dopamine kicks and it tells me maybe I'm better. But then the next day I need more dopamine. And then that's a drug in itself. No one sets out to be an addict. It's just that we're trying to feed that shame and guilt that we feel. It's a universal thing. It's not a Christian thing. We feel unclean. And here's the thing. We know this. We live in constant fear and anxiety. If people were to be honest, they would say the baseline of my soul is, in, is anxiety. I'm always anxious. Because why? Because you always have to try to keep the score. And you have to get one more thing to make you feel better. And, and then what we do? We begin to rationalize why do we feel this way. The world is doing this so much right now. Now what we do is we say it's because of the past that I had. So, so if I just undo the past thing, then, then I'm going to be fine. And some say, no, it's my parents. I got father wounds. And the question is, who doesn't have father wounds? But the problem is, the more we look to, to, to find something to blame, the more we're becoming victims to our own demise. We have self-esteem issues, so we think, if I just improve self, then I'm going to be fine. But we can't escape the reality that we are broken, we are unclean, 
And Jesus says here, the problem is everything that's wrong with the world is because everything's wrong with us. We don't like that truth. Every war has been started in the heart of a man or a woman. Every single war that we are in right now, right now, go look at the struggle between Israel. Go back to the Bible and see this started way back when Isaac and Ishmael were alive. Started in the heart. That's why I don't care how many laws you pass, you will not eradicate racism. That's a heart issue. Someone could be racist in this room right now. And you don't even know it. Because you can't see racism. You can't see love. You know what's killing America? Families are dying because we are addicted to pornography. We're addicted to lust. We don't know what love is. We don't know if love hits us in the face, we wouldn't recognize it. Because we're so embedded in what we have allowed in. So we got a problem. It's bigger than we think it is. Self-centeredness of the human heart is our greatest sin. All of us are selfish. Even the most nicest people you will ever meet is selfish. Go read Mother Teresa's diary. She was so honest and so blunt and so raw that like even in doing this stuff, I feel the self-centeredness in my soul. And you're like, Mother Teresa? The greatest human who ever lived? Yes, even Mother Teresa needed to be saved. Self-centeredness is our greatest, greatest battle. Sin is that. It's so real. Look, Jesus was trying to make a point. He was trying to make how graphic this is. When we go on to Mark chapter 9, right, I want to read this to you. It's so graphic. It's one of the most graphic things Jesus says to show you the gravity of our sin. Hear what Jesus said. I'm going to read this to you, and you can read it at home. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 49. Look what Jesus said. Look, he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. It's a heavy words from Jesus. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eyes, lust of the eyes, causes you to sin, gudge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone will be tested with fire. My goodness. This is Jesus. People say, Jesus is, he's so loving. He doesn't, he never tells me anything I don't want to hear. And here, Jesus is very blunt about, hey, you know how severe your uncleanness is? So severe that you need to do some drastic things to get rid of it. But he, basically what Jesus was saying is, none of y'all will be able to do this. Because think about it, you can cut your arm off and still be sinful. He was making a point. 
He was trying to say, listen, it doesn't matter what you try to do outwardly, it's not going to do it. You can gut your eyes out and still have lustful thoughts. He was trying to make a point. Hey, all your attempts, futile. Matter of fact, it's going to make you even more miserable. Because you're trying from the outside in. What you need is an inside out job. No matter what we do, how hard we try, external solutions don't deal with the soul. Our sinful behavior and sinful desires consume us like fire. You know what fire does? If you have a little fire in your house right now, let's say a little pillow catches on fire, you don't go, oh, that, that's just a little pillow. That fire wants more. Fire is never satisfied. Fire wants to consume the entire home. That's why every house fire starts small, but next thing you know, the whole house is on fire. Jesus is making a point. Sin wants to take over. Fire is never satisfied. Sin is the same way. It wants to take over your entire life, separate you from God in this life and in the next. That's why the image of hell is an image of fire. It's not that people are going to burn forever. It's that they're going to burn forever. That's the reality of hell. So when, when legalistic people say, you don't preach enough about hell, it's like you have no idea where hell is. Because you might be on your way to it. It's more real than you think it is when you don't deal with the conditions of your soul. Because we're all trying to be clean through external measures. If I haven't made it clear enough yet, religion without the heart of God is an attempt to be right without God. That's why we have to entangle religion from Jesus. It's our own attempt. That's why he said, hey, you're creating man-made traditions. And so here's what we do. When we try to go the religion way, here's what we do. We say, if I just stay away from bad things, if I stay away from things like bad movies, rated R movies, stay away from that. If I stay away from bad people, if I just pray hard and read my Bible and go to church, then God will heal me. But then you don't see heart transformation. Because if it's not an inside-out work, then there's no really love in doing those things. There's really no joy. The worst thing you can see is a religious person who is bitter because they tried everything outwardly and it didn't work. And what do we say after that? We say we blame God when something bad happens. We say, God, I did all the religious things. How can this be happening to me? And then if we don't blame God, what do we do? We blame ourselves. Then we're like, I, I'm not... I'm not spiritual enough. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't fasted enough. I haven't given enough. And so now we are in this conundrum of never enough. Never enough. Because fire wants it all. It wants all of it. My friends, religion is outside in work. 
Same with politics. Why do you think we're in this conundrum? Because it's outside. Promises, no deliverance. But every four years, we swear this is the one that's going to make us clean as a nation. And every four years, we find ourselves disappointed one more time. Every time, man, we are sucker for it. Why? We're sucker for shiny things. Because we don't want to do the soul work to take ownership of the reality that I am unclean. So if we don't turn to religion, we'll turn to politics. If we don't turn to politics, we'll turn to pop culture. Pop culture, man, pop culture is experts in glitter. Pop cultures love the icing on the cake. Pop culture is all about image. Man, with the right filter. With the right filter, man, you can look like you should be a model. But if we see you at home without your makeup, Man, we're so good at polishing. It's the people, I don't know if you've seen these, these videos lately, it's really funny. It's the people who were so good, so used to Zoom that they now they don't recognize that they don't have pants on. <laughs> For me, pop culture is the empire with no pants. But we buy into it. Oh my God, did you see how many followers following them to where? Where are we going? Where are we going? Jesus called it blind leading the blind. Where are we going? If we don't do religion, if we don't do ministry, I mean, if we don't do uh, politics, pop culture, we look to those who know how to be polished on the outside really well, but it's empty. That's why every other day you hear such and such marriage dissolves. But it looks so good. All the posts. What happened? What, what's really happening? What's really, ha what's really good, what we say in the hood, right? What's really good? Here's, here's one that hits home for me is if we don't look to religion, politics, or pop culture, we might look to ministry. Spurgeon, probably one of the greatest preachers that have ever lived, Spurgeon. Go look him up, Charles Spurgeon. Google Spurgeon. He said this. He said, don't preach the gospel in order to save your soul. You're talking about sticking a knife? <laughs> what he was saying is, you can also use Christian ministry to try to heal your uncleanness. That's why, that's why it's the saddest thing in the world. I just read it this week. 20 just in two months, three months, 28 pastors resigned. And it happens more than you think. And it doesn't mean they all resigned because they did something weird. It's not, it's not that. It's that some of us have realized, wow, I'm trying to earn my way to God by being a minister. 
measuring our worth by our likes and size of our ministry. How many people in church, how many people do we lose because of COVID? Are we really making a difference? These are real questions. And we all try to cleanse ourselves or cover our own cleanliness by doing good deeds. That's what, that's what it comes down to. All of us are doing it in some shape or form to try to cover up the reality. And then we hit with this reality. Jeremiah, write this down. Verse, chapter 2, verse 22, Jeremiah said, God spoke to Jeremiah. He said, no amount of soap can make you clean. I still see the stain of your guilt. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. The cleansing we all want and we all need is impossible in our own strength. That's the, part, the point that Jesus is making. We need someone who can get to the heart. A much deeper cleansing. And the worship that we come up as I, as I wrap up here, we get to Jesus. 2 Corinthians, write this down, 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we can be made right with God through Christ. Only Jesus can get to the stain and the uncleanness of our hearts. Only Jesus. He's the only qualified. Because he's the only perfect one. Righteous one. His blood was pure. To satisfy the wrath of God. Towards our uncleanness. That's why when he looks down, he doesn't see clean or unclean. He says, those who have trusted in my son for their sins and those who haven't yet. We like, we like categories of good and bad. Problem is, in God's eyes, it's all bad. But who has received his gift of forgiveness and healing and who, those who haven't? That's what it comes down to. Our sin, my friends, caused the cross. Don't get it twisted. We did that. We did that to God. We need an inside-out job. We need Jesus. We don't need more religious services. We don't need to be theologically accurate. Because you could be theologically accurate and have closets. Stuff in a closet. We need deep cleansing. Deep healing. We need restoration. We need salvation. Only Jesus is qualified to do that. That's why the world is in such a mess. We're all trying in our own way to appease our own conscience. What we did is, when you bite into that lie, you're in that hamster wheel. It could be religion. It could be politics. It could be pop culture. It could be Christian ministry. You name it. It could be a business. It could be making money. It could be sex. You know, just talked to someone the other day. He's like, I thought all these girls would satisfy me. No, you're on a hamster wheel. So now, if, 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 if I'm a guy, I'm doing this. And then what's happening in our society is now we don't even know what sexuality is. So we, now we're like, maybe if I have sex with the same sex, that will satisfy me. 
got a problem. Only Jesus can heal us. Deep healing. Would you stand with me today as we pray? I asked the worship team to do the song. It's, it's a song that used to speak volumes to me many years ago when I was a youth pastor back in Rhode Island. And we used to do this song a lot called Inside Out. Inside Out. Jesus, I need you to do a work that's inside out. Only you can do that. And as we've been doing lately, we've been trying to make room for people to just, just spend time with Jesus. Because, my friends, I can bring you this far. I can't do anything else. I, can't, I wish I could. I wish I could open up people's hearts and be like, here. Only Jesus can do that. But we want to create space for anyone to come to Jesus. That you don't have to, none of us qualify. Your qualification to come to Jesus is the fact that you don't qualify. That's your resume. Your resume has one sentence, I do not qualify. But thank God that Jesus does. Thank God that Jesus does. So as we worship, you're welcome to come. Worship team, we're going to worship. Prayer team, you can come. Listen, take a step towards Jesus today and let him heal and restore and bless. This is not a one-time thing, my friends. You need to be clean for the rest of your life. So you got to come to Jesus as many times as you need to. So let's worship. The altar's open. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.